Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Shabbat Shalom. Hey, that was good. Hey, it is an honor for me to be here this morning, um, watching the preview of The Chosen. Um, I wasn't told that I would follow that, okay? So you probably already had church. If you haven't had a chance to view or take part in watching The Chosen, I would suggest that you do. It is, it is awesome. It really is awesome. And it is available uh, everywhere anymore, you know. So uh, take that opportunity. Again, thank you for having me here. I was told, as, as David has indicated, that uh, you are partnering with a lot of people and wanting to serve the community around you, as well as the city of Richmond and metropolitan areas. I uh, live in Amelia, and uh, I'm a little bit further out than Richmond, uh, uh, but it's, uh, it is nice to be there, and it's nice to be here. The Lord is everywhere we are. I have been with the Counseling Center now. Uh, for some, they see that as good. For others, they see it as not so good for 18 years. I myself, not sure that's, that's a good thing. It needs a younger leadership. I am now 75 and still ticking. Thank you, Jesus. I appreciate uh, the uh, advertisement for the Niger ministry, and we are training Nigers now uh, in biblical counseling. And I will share that as I go through the, the presentation. If you will... Uh, turn in your Bibles, or for some, your phones, or I didn't send any any uh, slides, and I know Beggy is after me about that, but I didn't do that, so just bear with me. Turn with me to Mark. I will do most of the teaching this morning uh, from Mark 10, but I want you to turn first to, to Mark 8. And I want you to look with me at verse 34. We're talking about service. And as we talk about service, uh, I think there's some requirements and conditions of the heart that are necessary in order to serve. Otherwise, are we serving for our own glory or are we serving for the glory of God? We want to be serving, obviously, for the glory of God and not ourselves. I am 834. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
Ever since I was a, a small child, I've always wondered, what, what is that cross? What is that cross? What could that cross be? And here he says very plainly in letters of red, pick up your cross and follow me. Turn with me to 10, Mark 10, and let's look at verse 45. And here's what he says in 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. As you look at verse 45, I want you to keep in mind two words. I want you to keep in mind serve and ransom. Serve and ransom. So let's begin to plow through this, chapter 10, and I'll begin with the rich man. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. And Father, I know that your spirit is here. And I pray, Father, that you will that you will allow me to communicate what you have given me clearly so that all of us understand that you are God and you are God over us all. So, Father, take this message, and I pray now that it be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's begin with uh, the rich young Eula, and I think that's a verse, about verse 17. And let's see what's going on there. We know the story of the rich young ruler. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And let me say to you, as you probably already know, that this is his last trip to Jerusalem. He is walking the road by himself. Well, I say by himself, but he's with his disciples. But the word tells me that he is walking this path ahead of everyone. We'll talk about that in a minute. And so in, in his way to Jerusalem, he meets this rich young ruler who comes to him and says, Master, what do I need to earn, my words, salvation? What do I need to do to earn salvation? And what does Jesus do? Jesus reads the commandments to this young man. He does omit several, but he does indicate the commandments. So I have to look at, at what goes on because the rich young ruler says, I've done all of that. So what's next? Now, what does that sound like to you? I know what it sounds like to me because I see this often. And that is, my religion is simply a box to be checked. This is what I need to do. This is who I need to be. This is as I need to be seen. But the relationship is a heart relationship, not a fleshly relationship. Although, uh, maybe, maybe. All right. So the rich young ruler, to me, 
is in his self-confidence saying, I can do this. I can do this myself. And you and I know that's not true. No man or woman can save themselves. Keep in mind, again, we're talking about service, okay? We're talking about service. So as I've said, we see this kind of often, and those of you who are counselors with us know that. And in our teaching, we use several formulas. And I love those formulas. And the one I think that strikes hardest says, if I perform, I will be judged competent and I will get my reward. Well, in our culture today, what does that reward look like? Um, new car, bigger house, maybe a second house somewhere, clothes, a job that pays me a good salary. And I take that which culture has taught me because we are taught that's the way it is. I mean, you may say to me, Andy, Andy, no, that's not true. Yes, it is. When you went to school, when you were in school, were you not graded? An A, a B, C, if you were anything like me, nah, not close, okay. But when we went home with the A's, how did our parents respond? Awesome. How did our teachers respond? Why don't you sit up front here with me? So the more I did, the higher my grades, the greater my reward. Now, know what I just said to you, the more that I did, we carry that into our relationship with Christ. The more I do, he should be, he ought to be, I deserve more than I'm getting because I'm at church, I'm in synagogue, I may even put a few bucks in the plate. I'm a good person. So I think by doing, God should reward me. It is all about relationship. It is all about relationship. And the rich young ruler is missing that. Is that a call for me? Again, he believes he can work his way there. I remember in Niger, we were teaching this lesson in terms of the equation. And one of the pastors started waving his hand. He could speak English. We could speak English. In fact, they could speak a lot of languages, and I only knew one English. And he said, he said Mr. Redford, I want you to stop for just a minute. He said, this equation that you've just written on the board, he said, if we could get that in our churches today, 
It would revolutionize Christianity. And it would. We cannot work our way to heaven. It is about relationship. This young ruler is missing the boat. But that's not the end of the story. Now, I want you to follow me over to James and John here in 10. And I think they are a good example of what I just referred to in terms of the rich young ruler. I can save myself, however, as they're looking at Jesus talking about being Messiah and heading into Jerusalem, what thoughts did they have? If we walk with him, will we not be considered part of his group? If he comes to rule, will we not be able to rule with him? In that case, Master, can we sit on the right and on your left as you come to rule? Now, I can, I can identify with that, and I'm going to be honest with you. I really can. And, and it's been a long, long time. I remember uh, being at Smith Mountain Lake with a dear friend of mine who was a four-star general, he has since passed and, and gone on to be with the Lord. And I remember that there were about five of us in the boat uh, as, as, as we were on the lake. And he said to some of us, he said, I am considering running to become president of the United States. And I thought, just as James and John thought, oh, Okay. This is my friend. I know him. I bet, I bet somewhere in the government, I bet I could be part of that. Never happened. Praise God. See, God is always good. And sometimes we get, <laughs> I get sidetracked, I'm sorry. Sometimes we get, we get to the point where things happen to us and we thank God, why are you doing this? Why are you punishing me? Why are you, when as he's working his plan in our lives, that's all. That's really all he's doing, okay? That's really all he's doing. So what's going on here with James and John? Well, similar to the rich young ruler, they're thinking about status, power, becoming something of importance. And here I think I will use the word great. And I see this, I see this in counseling. Every now and again, it pokes its ugly little head up. And what I hear, this is exactly what I hear. That is, you know, I really struggle with what I have done in the past. I struggle with that. How can, how can I get through that? And, and my question as a counselor, and I know the other counselors ask the same questions. Do you believe you've been forgiven? 
And often they will say to me, I'm sure they say it to our counselors as well, yeah, but I just can't get over it myself. Now, I want you to think about that. Forgiveness. And over and over numerous places, God says to us, you have been forgiven. I will remember your sins no more. What sin? So the question I usually ask my counselee is, what's preventing you from receiving what God has for you? And usually they shake their heads. I'm, I'm not sure. Well, praise God. That's why they're in here to see us because they don't know what's going on in their lives. Sidebar, I will say this to you. There isn't a problem that you and I have that isn't theological. I'll say that again. There isn't a problem that you and I have that isn't theological. Somehow it's tied into the word of God somewhere. So what's going on? As I ask my counselee, do you think it's arrogance? Do you think it's pride that keeps you from receiving what God has for you? Is that what's going on with James and John? Arrogance, seeing themselves in power and status. Well, I know as I read on in, in chapter 10 that the other disciples, the 10, because I can still count, the 10 said this to each other. Who do they think they are? How about me? I'd like to be. So the point that I make with you as the other disciples overhear what they're doing is anger, jealousy, bitterness. Who are they? Now, in James and John's case, I've used the, the pride as, as an issue. But I want to say in both cases, whether we talk about James or John, or we talk about the other disciples overhearing, they, because of the situation, are in bondage, are in bondage and need. You see, because the word teaches me that the word of God, God, his character and his nature are to encourage me, it is to love me, it is to point me in directions where I need to be, it isn't to keep me in bondage, he wants me free. He wants me to be free. Now as you think about that, why would he want you to be free? So that you and I can become what he has called us to be. We cannot, we cannot do that in bondage. 
And who are we a slave to? In bondage. Usually it is Satan himself or one of his clan. It isn't God. God doesn't want you in bondage. Again, God wants you free. All right, let's look at the, <clears throat> let's look at the, the, what I call the star of chapter 10. And you know who that is. That is Jesus himself. Now, remember, I ask you to keep in mind several things. One is service. So here's Jesus walking the road to Jerusalem, already aware of his fate that will meet him in Jerusalem. And he is walking ahead of his disciples. He's walking ahead of the crowd that's behind him. No one is priding him. No one is pushing him. No one is trying to encourage him because he is committed to doing what his father has called him to do. Service. Are we committed to what a heavenly father wants us to do? Are we committed to that? Now I'm going to go back to the verse in, in Mark 8. That is to lay down my cross. What happens as Jesus goes through the trial? As Jesus is found guilty? As Jesus is crucified? What takes place? What takes place? And I think there are, I think there are a couple of things that, that take place. One, on that cross, Jesus paid a price for us. Notice I said to you the word ransom. You think it is strange that they used that word in the text? You see, I don't, because in those days there were slaves, and those days there were prisoners, and those days there were criminals, and they were locked up, and the only way to get them out was to pay the government a ransom to be released. And so for you and I, Jesus paid that price to get us out of jail, to get us out of bondage. Ransom. Second, on that cross, because of his actions, he has liberated us. He has freed us to become <laughs> the tool in his hands that he has called us to be. And finally, 
He has transformed us, given us the power to be transformed so that we walk in the light, we walk in the power, we walk in the strength, we walk in the encouragement. He's given that to us. So I go back to the rich young ruler. Has he been transformed? Well, to my knowledge, and you out here may have a lot more biblical knowledge than I do, I don't see him again. So I don't know whether he was transformed or not, but the power is there. What about James and John and the other disciples? They were transformed. They were transformed. They received the power that Jesus on the cross gave them to receive. And they became so liberated, they picked up their cross and they died to sell. So as we serve, Jesus is the model. Jesus is always the model. How do we serve? The examples I gave you of the rich young Eula with the disciples before they were transformed. How did they become transformed? They picked up their cross and they died to self. They died to self. What prevents us from becoming whom God has called us to be? Because he's certainly given us the opportunity. He's certainly given us the resources. What I find so often in my counseling, and it reflects back to me, that I stand in the way of what God wants to do in my life. That's the cross. Jesus has called me to pick up my cross, be crucified on that cross, and die to who I am. Die to who the world has influenced. Die to what I want and think I need and ought to have. God has called me to the cross, to follow him to the cross, to be crucified. Which will allow God to work in my life. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the, the time. I want to thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for being here, Father, and guiding me as I spoke. I pray that your word penetrates the hearts of everyone here. Father, help us to remember that we have been ransomed, that we are liberated. And Father, in your power, we can be transformed. But Lord, only, only in your power, only in your power. Let us humble ourselves. Let us humble ourselves and every day go to that cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.